Well, buenos días, familia. Buenos días, buenos días. Man, today's a great day. And, uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about something really interesting, something a little bit difficult. And so uh, that's why we're going to start a series called What Does It Meme? Hence kind of the graphic and the little video here. Um, and so I just have a question for you guys because we are going to be talking about this whole aspect of like the value of submission, which is this word that some of us are like, oh man, submission, like that word, don't like it very much. But we're going to be talking about it, the value of submission. And so as we talk about it, we're going to show some memes uh, to maybe make it a little bit more lighthearted. And so how many of you guys just like love memes? Let me see some hands over there. Who loves memes? Come on, come on, come on. Okay, there's different kinds of memes, right? There's like the picture memes, there's the GIFs or the GIFs, however you want to say it. Uh, there's these TikTok videos, there's all kinds of memes that we can use to express some things that maybe words just don't suffice, you know what I mean? And so to kind of show you some memes, I just want to show you some memes that... Um, our staff kind of sent to each other during March Madness. And so I don't know if you guys ever did a March Madness um, bracket, but my first time to ever do it was this past year with the staff. And so the staff made this group chat. And in this group chat, we made it so we can, like, say really kind things to each other. Um, you know, things like, oh, you suck, and, you know, that kind of stuff. It was really, really nice things that we said. Um, but I need you to know that there is a staff member who knows nothing about basketball, like literally zero zip. Like, he picked the people in the basketball bracket just from the colors. It was like, oh, that one's blue. I like that black. I like that blue. And so pick the colors. And so then March comes around, and it's like the first couple of weeks of it. And all of a sudden, this guy who didn't know anything about basketball was, like, number one. And everyone was like, are you serious? He's number one? And so somebody sent this meme of this dog up here, and this is what they did. <laughs> and then, yeah, they sent that meme. They're like, what? What's going on? Like, what's happening here? And you, know, you want to know what's hilarious? Literally a week later, he went from number one to, like, last. Like, it was just so funny. And so someone else sent this meme of this little girl. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's what you get, man, for picking out of colors. And so I love these memes because it just kind of shows you how our staff had a lot of fun uh, just kind of messing with each other during the March Madness bracket. But I want to use some memes this morning to just demonstrate to you this whole aspect and this whole topic of submission. Because it is a topic that I think is misunderstood, especially within the context that we're about to be looking in. And so I want to define to you what is submission or what does it mean to submit. And so our, our preaching team kind of came together and made a definition of what does it mean to submit. And here's the definition for you. Submission is when I yield my will to your will so we will honor God together. I yield my will to your will, so we will honor God together. Now, we have to be honest about this, right? Like, when is the last time that you were just so excited to give, like, somebody else their way instead of you getting your way? Eh, probably never. Like, when was the last time you said, you know what, I think submission is a good thing? I think a lot of us wrestle with, with these kind of questions because I just honestly don't remember the last time I said, you know what? That guy or that girl is so cool and so awesome because they're so submissive. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I remember the last time I said that. And so we have to just kind of recognize that our, our culture kind of makes us see submission as a bad thing or as something that maybe is only for the weak. Or culture kind of makes us see that submission as something as devaluing someone else. 
And then I have to be honest and say, maybe because of what you've been through in your life, maybe you hear the word submission and it brings back like past trauma or, or something in your past that, that maybe makes you feel uncomfortable. And so I want to just recognize that. But what I want to do is just maybe help us redefine what is submission. Because when we look at scripture, man, scripture celebrates submitting. Scripture sees it as powerful. It sees it as strength. It sees it as influence, especially if it's applied well. And so I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 with me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. So we're still going to be in 1 Peter, um, but this, this whole different series of, you know, what does it mean to submit? And so as you turn there, I just, again, I just need to be 100% honest with you. And I want to show you another meme that just demonstrates what I felt whenever I just was reading this. And I said, really, Lord, like this is what we're going to be preaching over? So let me show you this meme of what I felt like whenever I saw this passage. <laughs> I was like, hey, show it one more time, show it one more time. Because I was like, nope. I was like, God, we're talking about submission. I don't know if I want to do that right now. I was like, I'll leave that up for someone else because I feel like that baby. I was like, I want to run back to my room, just like close the door and just not get out. But here we are talking about submission. And then when we look at these verses, it's going to be submission to the government. And here's the thing, guys. We can't shy away from difficult topics in the Bible. Like I have to submit to the Lord. Like I had to submit and say, okay, God, you're right. All scripture is breathed from you in order for us to know you, in order for us to live these lives that are worthy of you. And, and Lord, all scripture is beneficial for my life. And yes, it's true that all of life is meant to be used all for Jesus. So Lord, help me. <laughs> help me as we talk about this. And so here's my prayer as we read this and as we look at it. I hope that we are just attentive to God's word and that we would allow God's word to shape us like all of us, not just a part of us, but all of us. And so let's go ahead and stand together. And we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to be in verses 13 to 17. But I want to read starting in verse 11 just to give us a little bit of context. So starting in verse 11, it says this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Then verse 13. Submit yourselves to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. And praise be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So every single Sunday, I give you guys a main idea, and I always say, hey, whenever you're sitting down at lunch today and someone asks you, hey, what did you learn at church? This is the thing that you can say. And usually it's pretty short, but I'm going to give you something a little bit longer, and that's actually the definition of submission that I gave you. And so this is the main idea. Uh, the main idea is that submission is when 
I yield my will to your will so we will honor God together. I'll say it one more time. I yield my will to your will so we will honor God together. You see, we have to make sure that our definition of submission is right because that's really going to be the most important thing as we walk forward in the next couple of weeks. Because the next couple of weeks, we're going to see today honoring our government and, and, and really being able to submit ourselves to the government. Then we're going to look at husbands and wives and bosses and, and then the Lord himself. So there's going to be a lot of talk about submission. And so we have to understand why does God ask us to submit and then how does God ask us to submit as well? And we have to remember that when I talk about submission, I don't talk about undervaluing someone or, or ignoring someone's skills and knowledge and ability. That's not what I'm talking about. When we look at submission and this word submit, it's this whole act of obedience and humility. And, and you have to understand, like, the reality of humility is that you have to understand why you're being humble. Like, there's something to be humble about if I'm being humble, if you know what I'm saying. And so this whole act of submission is very intentional. It's a self-act a self of self-control and self-denial, and you could even say self-sacrifice. And so as we look at this submission, we have to understand those things, but also that submission has an end goal. So what's the end goal of submission? Well, the end goal of submission is honoring God. That's what it is. We submit to honor God because God has asked us to submit. And so let's go ahead and look at verses 13 to 15 together. And here's the point that I want us to get here in these verses, is that submission is strength. Submission is strength. It says here, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. You might be asking yourself, Misael, how in the world is it possible for submission to be strength? Like, I thought submission was weakness. I thought submission was just something else. I thought submission was just for those people who just don't know how to stand up for themselves. No, 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 no. Submission is strength. And you see, there's strength behind submission because it displays the glory of God. It honors God. It displays the character of Christ. And it's one of those things that it, right here in the scripture, like, like we're going to see, it silences the voices of the enemies. It silences the voices of the foolish people, like it says here. But we don't submit for money's sake. We don't submit for pleasure's sake. We don't submit for this person's sake. We don't submit for family's sake. We submit for the Lord's sake. We submit ourselves to him in this submission. Yes, it's obedience. It's, it's self-sacrificial. It's putting someone else above yourself. And you know who that kind of sounds like? sounds like Jesus. So I want to just take us to Jesus and just look at his example of submission. Because if you think about Jesus, Jesus submitted himself for the Lord's sake, for himself's sake, for our sake. He was on the cross. He was beaten and he died for us. And if you think about Jesus, Jesus submitted himself to the Roman government. He submitted himself to the way that Roman government people like killed criminals, even though Jesus wasn't a criminal himself. So imagine this Jesus, the creator of all the universe, submitting himself to the government's way of punishment, though he didn't deserve it at all. So we need to look at Jesus as the one, as the example in all things, and he was even the example of how we are to submit to the government. But here's the reality. Doesn't it feel weird? 
doesn't it feel weird to read the Bible and to say, man, it's asking me to like submit to the government. Like that just feels really weird. Like Misad, you're, you're, you're saying something that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Well, here's the reality. We have to understand that God is a God of order. God is a God of systems. And he's the one who's created those things. He has established these authorities and, and these leaders. He's established government things. When we look at Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it, it just explains to us that all authority was given to Jesus, even the authority of establishing the government, establishing leadership, establishing authority, because he's a supreme authority. And the reality is, is that there's just a lot of people who have just taken advantage of that. Like so many people have taken advantage of, of this God-given authority. And so I do need to kind of just say the statement that there's some people who want to be like supreme authority of their own little world. Rather than just being good stewards of the authority that God has given them. And so we have to recognize those things as we look at all this. And so I know this is difficult to hear of saying, wow, we have to submit ourselves to the emperor, to the supreme authority, to governors? Well, yeah. But though that might sound uncomfortable for us, can you imagine what people would have thought of when they read this or when they heard this from Peter in this day? Like, honestly, we have it pretty, pretty good, if, if you ask me. Because imagine this. Imagine that you are there in Peter's day, and you hear this from Peter, or, you, someone, is, or someone reads this to you. You know what you have in the back of your mind? In the back of your mind, you're like, oh, my goodness, right now we have Emperor Nero, and Emperor Nero hates Christians. Like, he hates Christians so much that he blamed this whole fire of this town on Christians just so he could get the Christians, put them on a piece of wood, this little, well, not a little, but a big stick, and then light them on fire so they could light up the whole town at night, so they could, so they could light up the place where Emperor Nero loved to, like, run his little chariots around. Like, that's the emperor that Peter's talking about. So imagine being in that day. Imagine this being your king or your emperor that hates you because you're a Christian, that you know a friend, you know a family member that has been burned at the stake. And Peter's looking at you saying, hey, you have to submit. You have to submit to this guy. You have to submit to this emperor and even the governor's the type of governors that even crucified Jesus. And so I just want you to be in that moment because I need, to, I need to say something here that submitting sometimes means suffering. And I want to be careful when I say that because we're in the context of government here, okay? In the context of government here, we see that submitting is, is suffering sometimes. And so why is that the case? Why is it that submitting to the government is sometimes suffering? Well, I think the way we're going to answer that question is answering another question. Because a lot of times people say, okay, I, I get this, but Misad, what about the time, right, because I'm American and stuff. What about the time that I have to, like, not submit to the government? Because we love answering that question more. What can I do to rebel against the government? Like, like, when is it time for me to do that as a believer and as a Christian? Like, what does that look like? Well, let me just read this one more time for you. Verses 13 to 15 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, the supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Then verse 15 says this, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. 
So many times as, as people, we say, hey, what's God's will? Well, here's a time where it says, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. You see, it's God's will for us to submit to the government. It's, it's God's will for us to be obedient to the rules and regulations of the government in which we're in. But you see, the moment that the government or the moment that human authority makes us sin against God, the, the moment that, that any kind of authority is asking us to do anything that's contrary to the word of God, that's the moment where we submit to our ultimate authority, God, rather than the established authority, which is the government or these other leadership authorities. You see, we're to establish ourselves under the lordship and kingship of Jesus first, to where if anything else gets in the way of that, we have to stand firm. We have to stand firm on the biblical worldview that we have, stand firm on the biblical worldview that we have been taught from the scriptures, because we understand that any kind of government authority is really under the authority of Christ first. And so that's when we can technically rebel or go against or, or not go with what the government has said. That's when we go a different way and we stand firm. But you know what? Sometimes that's going to cause suffering. Because that's what's, that's what's happened in the New Testament. That's what's happened in the Old Testament. Like I just want to remind you of Daniel and his friends. Daniel's friends who were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were these believers in this room, believers in God in this area, and then the king declared something that they were like, that's against who God is. That's against the character of God. It's against what I believe that the scripture teaches. What did that, what happened? Well, they were sent to a lion den. They were sent to the fire. They were sent to suffer. I mean, think about the disciples. I mean, almost every single disciple suffered for their faith because the government had established something. And so they were technically going against the government because they were standing firm in their faith. And then you have someone like Peter who was crucified upside down. I mean, suffered because he submitted. And here's the thing, going against the government is technically still submitting. How? It's still submitting because you're submitting to their way of punishment. You're submitting to their way of consequence. Because like the disciples, they said, you know what? I'm submitting to the Lord first instead of the decree of worshiping someone else. But you know what? I'm going to submit to the consequence you have. So yeah, crucify me upside down. Go for it. Do it. This is for the Lord's sake. And I just want to make this kind of personal and just ask you, how powerful of a testimony would that be? How powerful of a testimony would it be to die for your faith? Because let me ask you this. What's more powerful of a testimony? To die for your faith or to stand in the corner of a street just shouting and saying, man, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. Which was a more powerful testimony in that moment? I think dying for your faith is a pretty powerful testimony in that moment. It's a testimony, again, that displays not just what you believe, but who you believe in. Because, again, I want to take you back to Jesus. So think about Jesus. Think about him on the cross. Jesus didn't silence sin by yelling at people. He wasn't at the cross saying, man, you guys just don't know, and just yelling at them and yelling at them. He didn't silence the people that way. He didn't silence his enemies or silence his haters by spitting back at them. Jesus was spit on. Do you think he was just like spitting back at them? That's not what Jesus did. He didn't silence his enemies by yelling or by spitting or even arguing with this like anger that he had inside. 
He didn't do that. How did Jesus silence his haters or his enemies or how did he silence sin? By being silent himself and taking on the sins of the world. By taking on our death, by taking on the weight that we deserved. So I want to take you to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 to 23. And that's something I want you to write down as well. Because here's an example of what I just talked about. Verses 21 to 23 say this. To this you were called, meaning submission. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. And then verse 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You see, even to the very point of his death, Jesus was still in control. It wasn't until Jesus said, you know what, it's finished. God, I commend my spirit to you. It wasn't until that moment that he died. And so if Jesus was still in control, even to his death, and we see that Jesus is in control of all authorities, of all lordships, of all governments, of all establishments, my goodness, if I'm going to submit to the Lord and I can submit to the government, understanding and knowing that I can trust God because they are under his lordship and under his kingship, And it's the will of the Lord for me to submit to them. And what I just want to point to here as just kind of a a thing to hold on to as as a practical thing for us is that I think submitting to the government is strength because we get to be able to kind of speak to the heart of people and not persuade them with threats, but persuade them with good actions. The reason I say that is because I've actually been a part of the neighborhood association meetings for the past year, and those are just riveting, honestly. And so I'm in this McClure Park Neighborhood Association meeting uh, last night. No, it's not last night. It was Thursday night. So it was our Thursday night, and I was sitting there and for like two, three hours. And, uh, and as I was sitting there, I kept on hearing people in this community saying, man, we just got to clean this place up. Like, we just need people to just, like, clean and, and, like, do some things and help us fix this and fix that and fix this. And I just sat there and I said, man, because I was thinking about this passage. I was like, I should have been studying for this passage rather than being at this meeting. But I was sitting there and I was like, you know, the last thing that these people need is for me to argue with them. The last thing that these people need is for me to walk in and yell at them and say, you're a bunch of sinners. No, they don't need me to say that. But they need me to kind of walk in and say, hey, I love you. Is there something good that I can do for you? Because maybe I can silence the foolish talk here with just the good things that I can do. How can our church help? How can our church do good things? And and how can these good things that we do build a, a bridge to a gospel conversation with you, to show you the love of Christ so then we can share the love of Christ with you? And so as we think about our neighborhood how are we going to do good things for our neighborhood? How are we going to do good things for our local government? How are we going to do good things for our federal government in order for them to see Christ in us and say, you know what? These people really believe what they believe, that they're willing to be obedient to the laws that we have. 
And so here's what we see in these, in these verses. That submission is strength. There's strength in submission. So then I want to show you a second thing that comes from verses 16 to 17. In these verses, we see that submission is respect. Submission is respect. Here in verse 16, it says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You see, we, we are free to submit. <laughs> Submission is freely walking in obedience and humility and, and freely self-sacrificing ourselves in order to honor the Lord and to honor others. And so this whole aspect of submission, being respectful, we have to understand that we are to respect and honor the Lord and others. And, and then here, it kind of just, just throws us for a loop a little bit because it says that we are free, yet we are slaves to God. Like, how is that even possible? How is it possible that we can be free people, but yet slaves to God? Because kind of our definition of freedom is I can do whatever I want. Don't even tell me. Don't even dare tell me what I can do. That's kind of our definition of freedom. But when we think about true freedom, true freedom is found in Christ, and Christ is the one that sets the boundaries in which we can play in. So here's what I want you to remind you of. I want to remind you of this. When we are slaves to sin, it's like handcuffs. When we are slaves to sin, it's like we are chained and we just cannot move. We are stuck. We are dead. But when we are slaves to Christ... It's not like handcuffs. It's like a fence. It's like a boundary. And he says, hey, here's the boundary you can play in. You are free to go wherever you want within that boundary. You are free to go wherever you want within that fence. And that right there is Christian freedom because John 8.32 says that true freedom is found in the truth of Christ. That when you know the truth, the truth will set you free in this divine freedom that we have almost, it's, it's not to say, man, I can do whatever I want. And no, it's, man, I can do what I must do. I can do what I need to do because I'm a slave to holiness, not a slave to sin. And that's the huge difference is that we are no longer in Christ slaves to sin, but slaves to holiness. And I'll tell you what, I'd much rather be a slave to holiness than a slave to sin. I'd much rather be a slave to doing what's right, being a slave to being more and more like Jesus, who's the perfect, holy, righteous one. I'd much rather be like him, to walk in true freedom like him. And so it says here in verse 17 that we need to show respect to everyone. Again, in the context of the government, man, that means show respect to the president that we like and the president that we don't like. It means showing respect to the governor that we like and the governor that we don't like. It means showing respect to the president of the neighborhood association that we like and that we don't like. It's showing respect to every single person and, and loving them with that respect because every single person who's made in the image of God, man, they, they honestly are worth our respect. To say, man, I respect you as a creation of the Lord. I respect you because God has, has made you and I love you. And you know what respect does? Here's what, I, here's what I know about respect. You might be looking at someone who doesn't love you, doesn't like you. You might be looking at someone who just thinks completely different than you. But you know what respect does in that moment? 
respect can be like that foundational thing that creates a lasting relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Like if I can respect someone and they can respect me and I know they don't love Jesus and they know that I love Jesus, that respect is going to bring us closer to where one day, I mean, I can just tell them about the love of Jesus because now we've created that relationship out of mutual respect for one another, out of that mutual love and just saying, you know what, man, I just want to make sure that you are worth honoring and respecting, even though we have differences of opinion. So what I like to say just in, in that verse 17 is that we have to always respect the person, honor the position, and submit to the Lord. Yes. Respect the person, honor the position, submit to the Lord. And again, this is in the context of government as well, and, and we can just see that I mean, I don't know what your opinions are on President Joe Biden. And at this point, it really doesn't matter. But what matters is we respect him as a person. We honor the position of presidency. But we submit to the Lord. We submit to the Lord. And so that's really the, the application I want us to get this, this morning. The application is this, is that we need to submit to the Lord. And so I want you to write that down. Submit to the Lord. I love how it says right here at the end that we are to love the family believers and then catch these two things. It says, fear God, honor the emperor. Fear God, honor the president. Fear God, honor the governor. Fear God, honor the authority. You see, I'm not going to fear anyone. I'm going to fear God. And the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So I'm going to fear him, but I'm going to honor everyone else. But God is really the one I should be like, okay. <laughs> God, I, I want to make sure I'm right with you. And, and that's so important for us because I've said this before, and I'll probably say this again a thousand times in this whole series. But the citizens of heaven must be the best citizens of earth. Citizens of heaven must be the best citizens of earth. We should be the example as believers. We should be the example of what it looks like to obey the laws, especially if they don't contradict with the Bible, especially if it's like, hey, your taxes, <laughs> hey, do this. We should be the example to other people of what it looks like to submit to the government. We should be the very first people to, to, to set the example of what it looks like to submit to the law of the land. Why? Because we submit to God. And so I want to tell you a story of just how transformative that can be. Uh, it was probably two years ago, three years ago, where there is this family, <clears throat> and this family had a shop or a store that you would probably be so disgusted about. This shop was a shop where they did a lot of hand reading and, and future telling, and they, they would use those little spheres, and they would do all kinds of like witchcraft stuff and all of that. And this family, that's what they did. Like that was their main source of income. Like that was their business. Well, they started, they started creating a relationship with a believer. And the believer respected them and honored them and loved them. And then through that respect, 
long-lasting relationship, this family came to know Jesus. And so after they came to know Jesus, that believer did not say, okay, it's time to close your shop. Okay, it's time to not do that anymore. Mm -mm. The believer said, hey, I love you. I respect you. I just want to walk with you. I just want to show you what the Bible says. Well, months went by and months went by, and that family looked at that believer and said, hey, you know what? I think we need to close our shop. (laughs) Uh, I don't think this is biblical. I think we need to close this down. And the believer just starts crying and says, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're right. How did you come to that conclusion? They said, well, we saw that if we're going to really submit to God, we we can't do those things. And I share that story with you because the believer didn't pass a law in order for them to not be able to have that shop. The believer didn't argue with them. The believer didn't yell at them. The believer didn't say, you know what, I'm going to go tell the federal government, the local government, I'm going to go tell your president, the neighborhood association. None of that. They just walked with them in love and in honor and respect because that's what changed the heart. Because when you change the heart, man, that changes everything. And guess what Jesus does? He changes the heart. And so this morning, if you're someone who hasn't submitted to God yet, man, I just ask you to do that, not for my sake, but for the Lord's sake. And maybe you've been a believer here for a long time, and there's just one aspect of your life that you just haven't submitted to God. Man, I implore you and I ask you, because of what Scripture says, let's let's honor the Lord and submit that to him. Because he is worth our submission. He is worth us submitting everything that we have. Not just the one thing, but the whole thing. And that's what we see here. So what I do is I want to pray for you guys and and pray for us as we continue our time of worship together. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word that challenges us. Lord, as human beings, we need to be challenged. Lord, as believers, we need to be challenged. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, yield our will to others so that we will honor you together. Lord, we want to do everything that we can to honor you well. So, Lord, I pray that you would empower us to glorify you, to honor you in the way that we submit to the government. Give us strength to do that. And Lord, give us discernment in those moments where we do have to be against it. But Lord, I pray for even greater strength in that moment because we submit to the punishment and the consequences of that. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that would be known for doing good. Lord, I pray that you would help us know how to do good in this community to where this community sees us as a church that they can go to in their time of need, that this is the church that they can go to for wisdom, that this is the church that they can go to to understand who the true and triune God is. God, we trust you in all things. We trust you 
and all your lordship and kingship over all the things visible and invisible. We pray all this in Jesus' name.